So what do you do? How do you surrender to trusting that what you want will come is because you get what you want right now. Cause what you want is to feel your heart open. You want to feel this way that you feel so creative, so alive, so in love with life. You feel life loving you and you love it back. And when you feel life love you and you love life back, you don't need any patience. There's nothing to be patient about. It's magic. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. This show is meant to be a guide for you. We're going to talk not only about how we can start to become aware of what are the subconscious things that are holding us back and how we can instead choose thoughts that are actually going to propel us forward. But in addition to changing the landscape internally, we are going to talk about the strategies that actually will help you to build a profitable business, getting paid to be you. Because when you have a business where you do what you love, you never really have to have that sense of work because it's a pleasure, because it's joy. And really, I want you to have the most abundant life. I want you to have the kind of life that you love waking up to every day that you don't feel like you need a vacation from. So together on the show, every single episode, I want to be your friend. I want to be your mentor. I want to show you what is it that I think has really been insightful, been helpful? What are the tools and strategies? What are the mindset shifts that have helped me? And what are the things that have helped my guests to get to where they are? How can we together sort of cross this river to the most fulfilling life where we show up and we feel like we are living into our potential and having the most gorgeous, beautiful experience? Because after all, that is what we all desire. We're all craving to have the most joyful, beautiful life. And I really believe that we can design that and that we can experience a life that we just absolutely love. And not only will we enjoy it, but it will be a possibility for other people. It will show other people what's there for them. And then maybe together, each one of us, by being the happiest versions of ourselves and being the most fulfilled versions of ourselves, we will help other people to reach for that higher branch and to find that in their own life. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the podcast. We have a great episode for you today. You're going to hear a little piece of a couple coaching sessions, which I find this is the work that seems to be really helpful when the truth is that things that are personal are quite universal. So I'm really grateful that these women allow us to have the permission to share these moments with you because I think that when we walk beside somebody else, we often can see ourselves clearer. Before we dive in, I want to let you know that we have a virtual retreat coming up called the Manifest Code. That's going to be on June 5th. And if you want to sign up to be with me for that, you can go to kathyheller.com slash code. And that is an amazing day because we are going to be working not only to manifest in the ways that I've done, but also I'll be bringing in Alexandra Cole, who is a woman I work with who studies and is an expert in the realm of human design. I think that'll be extremely powerful for you. And um, we're also having a session with another woman who I work with myself who does flower magic and helps you to walk back to the sanctuary within yourself. So if you want to come to the virtual retreat on June 5th and be with us on Zoom all day, curl up with your favorite cup of coffee and a candle in your own home and be with us for the day, you can go to kathyhower.com slash code. We do have a few spots left. In addition to that retreat, we're doing a retreat in Boca Raton, Florida, June 25th, 26th, and 27th. 
Um, we have eight spots left. And if you'd like to be a part of that retreat, you actually will get the virtual retreat as a bonus just for coming to the live retreat. And if you want to know more details about that live retreat in Florida, you can go to kathyheller.com slash retreat to find out more. All right. So we're going to dive into some of the coaching sessions. The first one is a call I had with our student, Melissa, who is an incredible person. And she had a beautiful idea for a business, but she hadn't yet put it out in the open because she was afraid that somebody might copy her vision. So we're going to take a look at how she was maybe hitting her resistance and how she was able to get out of a scarcity mindset and turn a feeling of competition into one of opportunity and abundance. This is powerful stuff. Take a listen. Look how brave you are, Melissa, just coming on here. Nice to see you. How do you feel after today's session? Well, I feel amazing. And I'm just going to preface this with, I was um, part of the February cohort. So thank you both. And I'm just going to let everybody on this call know, do it. It'll change your life. (laughs) Everything is different. Every single thing. And it's just amazing and beautiful. And do it. Just do it. God Um, bless you. You deserve all of it and more. And I'm here for the more. I want to get into the more right now. Let's get more, more, more. Let's get plentiful. So I got the divine download like a year and a half ago and I was sitting on it, keeping it really close to heart, only telling my closest friends and family. And I asked Colleen and she's like, just be loud and proud about it. And it was really because I was worried about someone taking their idea. So I am stepping out. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to be loud and proud about it. I have got a bridge for the summer. I quit my corporate job back in April, April 14th was my last day. And it feels just incredible. And my question to you, Kathy, is I'm just curious to have a little bit of perspective on next steps because I do feel like there's a thousand doors opening right now. And, you know, you just have so much business sense. So having your perspective, would I just be so juicy? (laughs) And um, I'm just so curious. Um, Let's go. Let's get it. Let's get it. Who is so proud of her right now? This is what I'm saying. When women rise, they take you with them. It is like a rising tide takes all the ships. That's what women do. We are givers. We are instinctual givers, right? We don't hold on to things. We actually naturally live in abundance. So that's why I want you guys to rise and to thrive. You know what you just did by telling people you're leaving that job? Oh, you're lighting a path. So can you tell us a little bit about the idea or you just want to give me like a genre. I just need a little bit of something. Okay. Yeah. So the name of the company is Sustainable Trades. It came from me just trying to figure out how to create a business around my passion and values. So I love permaculture. I love natural building. I love survival skills, wild edible plants. And this one day I just came, this thought came in. I was like, I would really love to have an apple orchard. And wouldn't it be cool if I could trade those apples like on an online platform for other quality goods and services. And then that's when business was born. It's like sustainable trades. And so the concept is it's going to be an online platform for organic farmers, permaculture, people, you know, small gardeners, but also local artists, artisans, entrepreneurs, healers, coaches. Basically, the concept is if you to list your good or service on the platform, it has to be good, um, has to meet kind of the permaculture ethics. So fair share, earth care and people care. And so if you're good or service is good for the planet, you can list it. And then there's going to, it's going to be a membership and there's going to be two platforms. The basic level is like, so you have your shops or like Etsy, 
So things like the Etsy of sustainability. And what you can do is you can not only sell your goods and services to the outside world for cash, but you can trade with other people on the platform. Okay, I think I got it. And I'm amazed that this came out of your brain. Like, I love that you were this awake that you're like, oh, here's my download. Something that clearly the world needs that everybody will be so jonesing for. So now let's go to where you're sort of hitting your barrier reef, right? Where are you stuck with this? Because you don't seem stuck at all. If I was a venture capitalist, I'd be like, here's a check. Okay. So that's, so, I guess that's just it. I would prefer not to take venture capital. You don't need to take venture capital. My friend Paige started Aviator Nation. She grew it to $500 million. And the reason she's not Sophia Amorosa, who had to shut down Girl Boss, is because she didn't take a stitch of VC money. You don't need to. Okay, you don't need to. Cool. I mean, that's my preference. And so I guess that's where I'm at. Like I've had some meetings with some app developers. There's this one guy. I mean, I love his company. They do stuff for Disney and Mr. BC and all these things. And I know if I went with him, I would get the platform I want, right? The intuitive, the user-friendly, it's just super clean. And that's what the value I want to bring to people. And I would love to come out of the gate that way. However, I don't have that. So there's another option that I could afford. And so maybe I take that option that I can afford and just do it messy. And it's not as clean as I would like to come out of the gate. So that's where I'm at right now. Let me ask you a question that you're not asking, but you're kind of asking. So right now what's happening is you think that there's these two paths, right? There's this one with this guy, and then there's this other option that's a little more affordable. But what really has to happen is this story has to be told because every time you sell the story, the business grows. And you said you're going to start a podcast, right? So currently in the day-to-day, where are you telling the story? Where are you telling people that they can be a part of this? Where are you telling people where they can show up on that Etsy type of place? Where are you with getting the message out? Just my friends and family. However, this summer, I'm going to, as my bridge, I'm crafting a bunch of stuff and I'm going to go to the farmer's market because I feel like those are my people. And that's where I plan to just start talking to people and getting, because I'm thinking I need to do some market research, right? Like, hey, how could, would this platform solve your pain points you're currently experiencing your business? Right. Like, how would this help? I just, right. you know, I think I need to get some feedback. When did you have this download? How long ago? Like a year and a half ago. Okay. So what, this is my question. What has kept you from the farmer's market conversation for the last year and a half? What keeps you from it? I was worried someone was going to take the idea. And that was the feedback that I got from people. Like, oh, you need to keep this quiet until you have something in the 3D. And that's what I intuitively felt like I needed to keep it quiet. What does that really mean? Do you think that you're afraid someone's going to take the idea? Because I don't believe you. And I don't think that's what's really scary. That's a nice way of putting it to distract you from what that really is. But what does it mean that someone could take it from you? Why would you not say this out loud because someone could take this from you? First of all, you can call it whatever you want. It's resistance, Mm -hmm. right? And what can someone take from you? Is there anything someone actually can take from you? I talked about Ali Webb. Do you know how many people started blow dry bars after her? But did they take it from her? No. No, they didn't. If I want my frozen yogurt shop to be successful, the best thing I can do is find another frozen yogurt shop and open my shop right next to it. See, what you're telling me is scarcity and you're believing that, which is keeping you small. 
And you even said the same thing without knowing you said it about this guy or not this guy, because there's still this fear that if you collaborate with someone, something happens to you because there's a hardwired belief from when you were four, five, six, nine, that when you allow someone in, they take it away, right? And there's probably a way in which when you're in relationships in the past, you lose yourself, you abandon yourself. And that's what people take from you, but they don't really take it. You give it to them because no one can take Tesla from Elon Musk. It doesn't matter what car they make. They're all doing it now. Great. They should. BMW should have an electric car. They should all have it. And no one is him and no one can touch him. And that's just how it is. And it doesn't matter if other people still choose to buy an electric BMW. It's great. It's amazing. It doesn't take away from him. But if his energetic signal said, you will take away from me by taking my idea. Now he has a big problem. He's out of alignment because he's not in receptivity. He's in resistance. Now he can't find his own power again. No one can take anything away from you and there is no one else. It's all us. It's an illusion that there's someone else. We're all walking toward the same place. We're all a collective consciousness. All there is is a collective. There's no separation in the collective. So that's an illusion. So this just has to rise like the phoenix. It has to be allowed to be born. But there's a fear that as soon as it's born, someone's going to steal it. That's a problem. Do you see the resistance in that? I do. And it was it's just like, I felt like I needed to have the platform built or even like, well, really after being in your beautiful interviews, you long, I was like, oh, I just need to get it under contract. And then I can just start shouting it to the world. And then I can start pre-selling shops. That's, you know, it, but it's still like, I got to have this before I do this. Yeah. So, but also what you're saying is what you're basically saying is in order for me to move, I have to do a lot on my own because I have this belief that if I don't do something first on my own fully, I can't rise, but we all rise because of collaboration, right? Like it's amazing the synchronicities and how people will be sent your way. They might be the right person to help you develop something, or they might be the right person to help you build something. Like I met Emma, who's my podcast producer. She was an intern, but she was brilliant. And she had a lot of like goodwill and she had just graduated from BU and she was 23 and she knew her way around the technology. And she's like, let's just freaking go for it. Let's try that. She's like, let's figure it out together. And I'm so glad that I had her. Right. And at every step of the way that wasn't giving away my power. Right. I mean, it was just like, when I know that I'm allowing everything else to be what it needs, I'm not controlling it. You're trying to control it so much that you're not allowing God, this universe, life to come and support you because you have to be in control. Because if you're not in control, it can be taken away. But when you're in control, you're squishing it. You're smashing it. We need to allow ourselves to be supported by all the people who are going to love this idea and go, you know who you need to meet? So-and-so. I mean, I had two meetings in the last week where two different people came to me and said, you should have your own women-led podcast network and I want to help you do it. And I was like, maybe that's my next move. That, that sounds amazing. Let's collaborate. Why would I say no to that? We don't all have to be all things. I remember when I was first writing music, I thought I had to hold on to my songs because of copyright. It was like such a waste of time. Then I started to co-write with people and share my songs and the whole was greater than the sum of the parts and they added so much to it. And then my songs were better. Think of, think of any songwriter you love. They have a writing partner, Bernie Topin and Elton John, Lennon and McCartney. Like, come on, let's face it. 
Are they better together or alone? Together. Like, I don't understand why we have to control this. So I would love for you to unleash and allow for the world to support you and allow yourself to finally stand in your power. Because what you're doing by saying someone can take this is you're saying, I'm not powerful. I don't trust myself. Then you're in lack. You're not in the magnet. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to unleash. I really am. I feel like I like after some good meditations, it's like, yeah, I know it's coming. I know it's on its way. It's on the verge. There's something big happening because it's not just the business. There's also going to be an activism component to this. It's about localizing globally. And the more we do that, the more we heal the world, right? Because yeah, our global economic system is a little bit messed up. So we're going to be loud and proud about all of it. And I'm just going to start out, right? So I just start the podcast, just go out to the farmers. You're going to start the podcast. You're going to start having conversations. I don't want a day to go by. Maybe you take the weekends off, but Monday through Friday, I don't want a day to go by without you having on your calendar, a conversation you're going to have with a person about this. And I want you to do that collaborating and market research and just get the word out and have people go, Oh, how do I join? Or, Oh, you know who you should talk to? Or, Oh, can you add oranges to that? Or, Oh, you know, who will be so good. You should meet so-and-so in San Jose. She's doing something similar to maybe you want to look at that. Maybe you want to understand it. Like, let's go, let's move. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready to move. And let the blessings yeah. just come pouring on in. Right. How Absolutely. did I, I mentioned Paige before from Aviator Nation, right? She started Aviator Nation. It's a big brand in LA. She got it to $500 million a year in revenue. And how did she start? She started by selling at Fred Siegel because Fred Siegel had an audience. So she showed up on his audience. How are you going to grow this? You're going to go on other people's podcasts who already have an audience that's interested because they've already grown an audience that's already curated to this content. Of mm-hmm. course you have to share it. Right. And then you're going to have like a GoFundMe or a crowdfunding or a way that people can start adding their business to it. Right. Like Goop. What is she doing? She's just the facilitator and saying, come one, come all. Come on my platform. If you're a woman and you have a brand, let's go be a part of this. What happens then? It grows Gwyneth Paltrow's brand. And now she grew all these other women's brands. What did Oprah do? Oprah knighted. She, she like knighted. Dr. Phil, Deepak Chopra, Rachel Ray, Oprah's money, the money she really made was in the network she established for us. She collaborated and brought all these people, audience, and what did it do? It brought her audience. When I was writing music, I was making money. When I started an agency and I was helping other people to sell their music, people came to me more for my music, right? It's all abundance. My very first license I ever got was for Legally Blonde 2. And they wanted my song to be in the opening credits. And I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. And I opened my mouth and said to my friend, Danielle, hey, you have great songs. Why don't you reach out to Michelle Silverman, who's doing the music supervision for Legally Blonde 2. Maybe she'll use your song. What happened? Michelle writes me an email and says, I hate to do this to you, but Danielle's song, she just sent me it. Thanks for the introduction. Her song actually works better for the opening montage. And we're still going to use your song, but we're going to use it later in the movie when there's like this shopping spree day. My husband's like, why did you do that? You just lost. And I was like, every time I choose that, I buy myself a piece of the real world, the real abundance. What happened? Michelle wound up doing another movie, another show, another movie. And she would come to me and she goes, you know, I always come to you because you're the most generous person to work with. And then my song was used by this music supervisor named John Houlihan. There was a, sh- a movie called Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal and an Eminem was using, doing all the music. Eminem, 
Can you imagine someone more different than me musically than Eminem? No, probably not. Even though I really have a lot of respect for him, but we just don't make the same music. So John Houlihan calls me and says, we have a montage in this movie where Jake Gyllenhaal is going to see his daughter and you have a song called Turn the Sunshine On and Michelle Silverman told me to go to you because she said Kathy Heller is actual sunshine. And so he used my, my song in this movie. And I said to my husband, that's what abundance knows that you didn't know. And I called Danielle, stop, 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 stop. Every single time. In fact, there's an amazing story, which you guys probably already know about Oprah Winfrey, where she read the color purple. She read the book, wanted to be in the movie, bought every copy that the bookstore had, gave it away because she was obsessed with the book. And she kept telling her friends, I'm going to be, this is going to be a movie and I'm going to be in it. And her friends were like, okay, whatever you say, crazy. And then she got a call from her agent and her agent said, there's a movie called, Sherry told me what it was called and I forgot it was, it wasn't Moonlight, but it was something like that. And Oprah says to her agent, you mean it's called The Color Purple? And she's like, no, I just told you what it's called. And she was like, okay, fine, I'll go. And this was before she had a show. Like she was just a girl trying to become who she is. Okay. She wasn't who she is. She wasn't famous. She didn't have her own daytime talk show. So she goes to read for the part. This is just crazy manifestation story. And she gets handed the script that she's about to go in and read for the, for the uh, casting director, the director of the movie, Steven Spielberg was the director, but he wasn't there. He was just watching the film, the tape, right? So she goes in, she gets handed the script and the very first line that she's supposed to read, do you know what the word is on the page? Harpo, because Sophia, who she was reading for, is married to Harpo in the movie. And she knows the book. So she goes, oh my God, A, this is the color purple. I was right. This is my movie. And B, this is my scene. The first thing I walk out here is to say my name. What? Is that a joke? That's what I'm going to do. Walk in here and just read Harpo. That obviously, God, you're here. We're together. Let's go. So she goes in reads her guts out for this part. They tape it. They send it to Amblin, Steven Spielberg's company, and she's waiting. And she knows, like she knows she's a manifester. She knows this is it. She doesn't get the call. She doesn't get the call. She doesn't get the call. Finally, she just can't take it. So she calls Steven Spielberg's office. She finds a way to get the number for Amblin Entertainment. And she gets a hold of his assistant. And she's like, hi, my name is Oprah Winfrey. I auditioned for this movie, The Color Purple, and I have not heard back. And the woman says to her, you don't do that. You don't call here. If we want you, we will call you. And she goes, and you should just know this, Miss Oprah, whatever your name is. Do you know who just auditioned for this part? Alfie Woodard. You're not getting this part. And she's like, oh my God, she's right. Why would I get this part? Alfie Woodard is like the goddess of all. Like, I'm insane. Like I'm nobody and she's amazing and she's going to get the part. So she went into this like horrible state because she was out of the magnet. She was buying into this belief. So she no longer had this feeling of expansion. All of a sudden it was gone. So she was looking at herself in the mirror the next day and she started to cry. And she was like, Oprah, you're so stupid. Look how fat you are. You're never going to get this part. That's what it's about. It's your weight. Why would you get this part? What were you thinking? And she just kind of like rails at herself, right? Like all the worst parts of her just come up to like sabotage her, right? So she checks herself in to one of these places. Which when she tells the story, Sherry says she calls it a fat farm, whatever they're called, those places where you starve yourself. She checks herself in, she goes to this place and she's just 
beside herself. She cannot let go. She cannot let go. And she's running the track and she's asking God to take away this feeling of lack because it's so strong and she's so jealous of Alfie Woodard and she can't see straight and she's broken. And she's like, look, I thought this was my destiny, but I don't think it is. Please let me let this go. And she's running the track, running the track. And she cannot, she's obsessing. So she falls to her knees on the track and begs God and says, please take this out of me. This is poison. This will destroy me. And she decides she's going to do a visualization where she sees herself walking up to Alfie Woodard after the premiere of the movie and walking straight up to her and saying, you were made to do this movie. You were phenomenal and God bless you. And she starts bawling because for the first time she lets it go. And she sees herself loving Alfie Woodard and being so grateful and really coming back to wholeness and knowing that Alfie Woodard can't take anything from her and how grateful she is that she's going to have her destiny. And she's all of a sudden back in the magnet. And just then, just at that moment, when she lets go of needing it, this woman comes running out, sees her on the track and says, you're Oprah, right? Your name is Oprah Winfrey. She's like, yeah, she goes, there's a phone call for you. So she runs inside, picks up the phone and it's Steven Spielberg. And he goes, Hey, is this Oprah? She goes, yeah. He goes, where are you, by the way, Mike? Someone told me to find you and who just picked up the phone? And she goes, I'm at this place. I'm, I'm losing weight, sir. I'm at, and she's like shaking. And he goes, don't you dare lose weight. First of all, I need you in my office. First thing tomorrow morning, I need to fly you to LA. I'm sending you a ticket. And second of all, you better stop at Dairy Queen and eat free ice cream cones. Because if you even lose one ounce of weight, we've got a serious problem, my friend. So she literally says she gets in the car, stops at every Dairy Queen, consuming ice cream cones, gets on the plane, shows up in his office, bawling. And he goes... You were the first person I cast. I watched that tape. You're it. I cast you first. I cast everybody around you. And she's just bawling. And then what happens? She's in this movie, which changes history. And the movie premieres and she thinks this is her destiny. She got to play this part. She gets a call two months after the movie comes out. We'd like to make you an offer for your own television show. Oh, I'm sorry. You mean I don't just get to play a part in a movie. You want me to just play myself. Yeah, we want you to play yourself. And we want you to have the single greatest audience that's ever happened and will ever, ever, ever happen again in television history. Oh, okay, great. I will show up for the assignment. And the first time I met Oprah, she said that when she would come down from the elevator because her dressing room was on the second floor and to go down to the stage, she had to take the elevator every day. She said, I knew that I couldn't do this, but my soul as God as a partner, but we could do anything. So she would close her eyes in the elevator and put her hands together and pray and say, use me. You're the author on the pen. Help me do this. And so it was. She was the first person to put God on TV. She was the first person to make a space like that. She cried with everyone. She laughed with everybody. And all of you who come to this program, who are you going to meet? You're going to meet Sherry Salata. You're going to meet that executive producer who worked with her every day. And she said, you know what it's like to land a 747 in a, in a tornado? Sherry said that. She goes, that's what we did twice a day on the Oprah show because they had to film two episodes a day. She goes, it was like filming two Super Bowls a day. 
That's what they did for 25 years. She's amazing. You're going to love her. But why do I tell you that amazing story? A, because that's how you manifest. That's how real thoughts turn into things, but you got to line up with it without resistance. And that was my point in the story. When she made this whole thing happen with Alfie Woodard, she was just moving away from the magnet. When she got on her knees, the rest of her life, all of history and all the people who've been touched by her came after the moment where she got on her knees and thanked Alfie Woodard in her mind for being who she is. That was her moment. That was her Jedi moment. I am whole. I don't need to be jealous of you. We are a collaboration. Let's go. And she says that to this day. That was her dark night of the soul. And from that moment on, she's good to go because that was her part. That was her dream. And someone was going to take it. And for her to be able to let it go and love that person and have joy in her heart for that person, she knew from then on she was free. That's manifesting. And what you don't do is you don't say, well, I don't look the part or someone can take my part or something. No, no. You just shine your light. Nobody can take Oprah from Oprah. Nobody can take Alfie Wood from Alfie Wood. Like, it's just not possible. It's like, that's all a waste of bandwidth. How about I am singular. This is a once in a lifetime. Whatever dream is meant for me is going to chase me all day, every day, all day, every day. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come correct. I'm going to come from wholeness. I'm going to move in this world with energy. Energy doesn't constrict. It allows. So you just got to look at where you're tuning. Where's your tuning? Where's your vibration? That's what we do in this program. That's what we keep doing. And you're right there. You have the spark. You don't need to protect it. You need to project it. You project it. You're untouchable. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh, so much sense. And I'm so freaking excited. So here we go. And I will be back for the VIP course. We're so happy to have you. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You guys don't think big enough is what I'm trying to say. Let's think bigger. Let's know who we really are. Let's trust what's really happening. And then who's going to fill in these shoes now, right? Like who's coming next? Who has that much love and empathy and vision that your name can be in the list with Oprah Winfrey? Come on, let's go. Let's move. I told you Steven Spielberg. This man helped her have this platform. He didn't get into USC film school. Are they insane? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Should he have given up on filmmaking? No, probably not. Not when he can do what he does. He said that when he was filming Schindler's List, he fell to his knees. Talk about falling. Everyone's falling to their knees. And he said to God, forget it, because he had all these plans, because that's how he filmed DT. That's how he filmed The Color Purple. And he goes, I can't film this. Why? Because he was in a concentration camp trying to film a movie. And his wife turned to him and she said, you're going to have to do this from the gut. Your plans won't work here. And so he said the entire cast basically had a meltdown every single day. And they made a masterpiece. In fact, the movie studio said that if they made that movie in black and white, nobody would watch it. And they knew it would be a failure. So they were only going to make Schindler's List because they felt like they needed a write-off. So that would be their write-off. <laughs> it made more money than any other movie he ever made. He won the Oscar for it. Like, it's insane. And he decided that the only thing he would put in color in the whole movie was one little girl with a red jacket. Because he said, people can't fathom Six million people, but if they see one little girl, they'll get it. One little girl. The whole movie was her. The whole movie, right? He's a genius. 
So who's next? It's just like, well, what do all these people do? They have to let go. They have to be willing to let go and let God come through them. They have to stop trying to control it and predict it. That's what your ego tells you to do. No, let go, let go. You're already prepared. Just trust it's going to come. You're going to meet the right person. There's going to be so much synchronicity. You're going to blow your own mind when you actually step into resonance and you stop trying to drive the car from ego, from the predictable, from the constraint. I want to give a huge thank you to Melissa for letting us share that with you. And I'm so proud that she had the courage to let herself be visible and announce this idea. You can follow her on Facebook at Melissa Booth. She's working on a new website and an app for her sustainable trades business. So keep an eye out because she is going to be doing some serious stuff and we want to celebrate her. And now I want to share a coaching call we had where I answered some questions that we get all the time about how do we trust, how do we surrender that allowing things will come to us will actually work, and how can we be our authentic self when we're scared and we want to belong. We all come up against this stuff, and maybe it's not just uh, throughout our lives, but maybe a little bit every day. So I hope that you'll find this valuable. Take a listen. I think one thing I just want to say before we start is there's always going to be contrast. We signed up for that. And we want it that way. That's okay. You know, there's always going to be that aspect. And that's not really the problem. It's an opportunity. It's there to reveal your alignment. It's there to reveal what do you really desire? What do you really want? What's really time to shed? What's really here now for you? It's all a tool to help you continue to refine and be who you were born to be. So I think it's important to know that because sometimes when the resistance comes or the contrast comes, we go, shoot, why is that there? Or maybe we say, I'll just slow all the way down so I can avoid it. But that's part of this whole equation. It's really more, how do we keep coming back to what's true? Keep coming back to that sense of our inner knowing, alignment, allowing ourselves to keep finding the more expansive, the more receptive place. So Colleen, I'm going to turn it over to you because you have some questions. So why don't you read the first one and why don't you go first and just sort of iterate on what you think the answer is and then I'll chime in. Yeah, for sure. So The first question we notice that comes up for a lot of people is how do I surrender and really trust that what I want is going to come to me, right? Because a lot of the time we have these goals, we have these desires, we have these dreams, we can get really attached to them. So how can we basically not be in a perpetual state of feeling that frustration or disappointment that we often wind up in? So, I mean, my mind goes into a million directions all the time because I feel like there's so many things I want to say. And I think the first thing I always come back to is I want to emphasize how much there's a difference between preference and need. This is really, really important. I was out at an event last night and it was kind of this great love debate. And the MC was asking the audience questions and he came up to me and he said, what do you need in a relationship? And I told him, <laughs> I can't answer that question because I don't need anything from a relationship. 
And I was laughing because I know to most of the room, that sounds like a very sort of standoffish answer, (laughs) but it's really not coming from that place. It's coming from this deep internal knowing that there are preferences I have, but need means that I'm only okay if something external to me presents in a certain way. And when we show up in that energetic, we're kind of hooped because there's a level in which we're outsourcing our okayness. And that to me is the distinction between what do we prefer and what do we need? So part of the surrendering process, part of learning to trust is recognizing how much we're actually hooking into that outcome is something we have to have happen, that we're making it, I'm only going to be happy once this thing happens, that there's some future moment that is then going to allow us to feel a certain way. But that isn't true because the future is ultimately just an illusion because the only thing that exists is the now moment. And the future is only created from the now moment. So it's recognizing we need to unhook and it's recognizing the thing isn't even what we want in the first place. It's the feeling behind the thing. And that's how we can start to access it. Yeah. That's such a funny story that in front of a crowd of people, they would ask you, but that is so meant to be because that's so powerful for you to share that take on it. And I'm just going to say the question again, because it's such a good question. How do I surrender to trusting that what I want will come to me? And I mean, Colleen, you already said so many of the things, but I'm just going to repeat part of them and the things that really stand out to me. So when you say, how do I surrender to trusting that what I want will come? Let's define what you want. What do you want? When you ask yourself that question, it's interesting because you realize that you're telling yourself you want certain things and you kind of insist on telling yourself that that's true. But what you really want is you want to feel good. And you think that these things will make you feel good, but you really want to feel good. You really want an elevated state of being right? And so how can we understand that it's our focus that creates our feeling? You know, I remember when I went to see Joe Dispenza and we were sitting in this room in a Marriott and it's four walls and not very comfortable chairs. And he said, how do you feel right now? And I felt like I had just literally left this 3D plane and just felt so light. I felt love coming into my heart and out of my heart. I felt what it feels like to open my heart. I felt what it felt like to just be charged with the lightness of my own being, not being pulled into the heavy static, not being pulled into resistance. And he said, so is it this place that's doing that? Is it this Marriott ballroom? Or is it your vibration? Is it your attention? Is it where you're focusing your attention? And we walked that beach. We do this like hour and a half long meditation where everybody has an app on their phone. So we all started at the same time and it's pre-recorded. and he's walking with us, but he's already recorded it. So we can all hear him for the whole time. So from an outside perspective, people will always post. They think it's like zombies have landed on the beach because He has you walking and then 10 minutes in, he'll say, now stop, close your eyes. And so people just think everybody's just like in some hypnotic, 
vortex of something culty and we're no we're all just listening to the same meditation and it's an hour and a half of guided and sometimes i'll say now sit down where you are sit there now reach reach higher there's a higher feeling thought there's more joy here find it and it's amazing and i sat on that beach and at one point it started to rain and of course he doesn't have that in the pre-recording that it's going to start raining and in marco island florida when it rains it pours and i sat there in the most amount of ecstasy with the rain beating down on me. And I was just like, there is a part of me that has died on this beach. There's an old part and there's a part of me that has just been born. And it was the most like, it was the most oxygen I probably have ever felt in my life. And our love coursing through us is what we want. And when we love that way, and when we are love in that way, Our own energy loves other people into life. Our energy becomes fuel. It becomes Wi-Fi for other people. And they don't know what happened, but we walk in the room and it's like, boom. And you could be anywhere. You know, I've been to tiny little places that people call home and they're one room living in Jerusalem and a tiny little out of the way up a little path and on the right. And it's a tiny little room and somebody calls at their home and you feel it's so expansive. It's so big. And I've been to mansions in Beverly Hills and I have felt there's not enough space in here. There's so much tension in here, right? And I've seen the opposite. I've seen gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful places in Montecito. I was with Dr. Joe in Montecito, looking at the most amazing view and feeling total vibes and good energy and all the luxury. And you can have it all and all of it exists and none of it is needed. And that's what I'm saying. So what do you do? How do you surrender to trusting that what you want will come is because you get what you want right now. Because what you want is to feel your heart. You want to feel your heart. You want to feel your heart open. You want to feel this way that you feel so creative, so alive, so in love with life. You feel life loving you and you love it back. And when you feel life love you and you love life back, you don't need any patience. There's nothing to be patient about. It's magic. It's yumminess. And from there, you just constantly swimming in this level of resonance. There's this music that you're playing and wherever you go, people hear it. It's kind of like you're walking around with this boom box and the boom box is you (laughs) and just the most delightful, engaging, awesome, beautiful experiences just, just, just seem to happen all the time. And it's because you're perceiving them. And so they're being, and then your thoughts turn to things. And when your vibration is that way, and you keep that water on the stove and it gets hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. Of course, it's going to boil. And part of it is we just don't understand physics. Like if you were to put a pot of water on the stove, I've done this so many times, you guys, that it's, I've like ruined the pots, right? Cause I walk away. I forget the pot is on the stove. And my husband goes, why do you do this? We buy the most expensive like we buy the, we buy all the right pots because his mom had cancer. And so we learned about the pots and you want the right ones and you want the ones that don't have any of the chemicals on them. And so we spend a fortune on these pots and then I will put the pot on the stove and I will walk away and come back 
And not only has the water boiled, the water has boiled and it's boiled down and down and down until I've literally like scorched the pot and we have to chuck it. But we forget that physics works. We forget that the universe is predictable. We forget that there's a law to the way things are. We literally forget it. So what do I mean? I mean, you would know, like I know, and I've seen it too many times, like I just said, but you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that if you put a pot on a stove, the water is going to boil. You wouldn't keep checking it. You're not going to check it. Why would you check it? That's stupid. And if somebody came along and said, it's not boiling, and then they shut it off, you'd say, no, turn it back on. Because if you keep turning it off, it's not going to boil. Keep it on right? But what do we do with our own energy? We keep turning it off and going, why isn't it here? And then we go, no, 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 no. There's no here, here. The here is already here. There's nothing to come. And when you are in that place where you are just so in love with this moment, because you set down all the things that you didn't want anyway, that society told you you wanted, or that your ego convinces you that you want, but you set all that down and you just reach instead for a good feeling. You reach instead for gratitude. You reach instead for life. You reach instead for creativity. You reach instead for this something, this feeling of love, this feeling of wonder, right? If you keep that going, it just keeps moving. And that becomes a greater awareness and the awareness becomes a thought and the thought becomes more thoughts and those thoughts turn into actions and those actions turn into things. And that's the way that it works. So it's really about understanding that the same way that you boil water, it's the same way that you turn your life into whatever you want. We literally have a magical wand where we can, first of all, feel as good as we want to right now. We can remember and memorize and keep giving ourselves the feeling of joy. In fact, why would we wait to feel joy today? Why would we wait for something to happen to feel joy? Why wouldn't we just feel joy right now? Isn't that interesting? That's fascinating. Why wouldn't we think about the things that remind us what joy is like? Why wouldn't we think about the things we're grateful for when it feels so good? Why would we deny ourselves that? Because what we're doing is we're outsourcing our well-being, right? We're, we're, we're wanting something else to give us a reason to make us feel joy, to make us feel grateful, to make us feel creative. No, that's not how life works. It's our job. We are responsible to respond That's what it means to respond. You're responsible. You choose your focus. You choose your alignment. You choose your vibration. And then the more you do that, we have this magical gift, which is energy is what creates the world. Energy. Energy creates matter. Matter doesn't create energy. Energy creates matter. So if you want to create matter, you want to create things, you want to create all the things you want, you do that from energy. And how does that happen? You got to keep the water on the stove. You got to keep it boiling. How do you do that? You got to stay in that alignment. You can't outsource that. And if you look at the people who've turned energy into matter, it's sustained vibration. It's sustained vibration over time, every single day. The amount of energy and electricity and vibration and focus that Jim Henson had to have to create Kermit, that's boiling water. It's joy and it's here and it's more joy and it's more wonder and it's more gratitude and it's more play and it's more creativity and boom, there's a world. And that's Picasso and that's Serena Williams and that's Lady Gaga and that's 
my neighbor, Joyce, next door, who's 86, who's still gardening in her backyard, having a time of her life. So I want you guys to reflect on this. And I want you to ask yourself over the next few days, what is it that you're noticing that your mind tells you you really want? And how quickly do you get disappointed about that? And ask yourself instead, what do you want to feel? Because the reason you want that thing is because you think it's going to make you feel a certain way. Because all we want is the energy. We want the energy. That's the outcome. So what's the outcome in the form of a feeling? And how can you access that now? How can you be responsible and respond in that way? And then I want you to notice without any judgment, because we've practiced certain behaviors so long that the mind is just compelled to repeat. It's like a software program. It just, you put zeros and ones inside your computer. It's just going to spit out the same app. It's just going to turn on and have the same screensaver. It's a program. You have a program like that running in your mind. So you're up against that, but there's neuroplasticity. You can change that. But I want you to just start to notice without any judgment, how often you turn the water off on the stove. How often you turn off the stove? How often do you go back into boiling the resistance, boiling the impatience? Because that is what you will get back. You will start being in a space where you're moving away from what you're creating. You're moving away from the joy. And of course, it doesn't feel good. Well, that was a great way to start today. I love that I have created, co-created with you guys, a group of human beings where I can talk about these things And you guys speak this language so we can talk about these things. I mean, how many rooms do you think people are even interested? People are it's not my thing. I'm going to turn it off and go watch some baseball. Does that shift anything for you when I say that? When Colleen says that, do you start to go, oh, I can feel like my nervous system just like come home. (laughs) Like the truth is so powerful because your body tells you when something's true. Okay, Colleen, do you want to read the next question? Yeah. So a lot of people go, I hesitate to be my authentic self because I'm worried what other people are going to think. So how can we shift away from worrying about that? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to take this one first because I just posted about it today on my Instagram. And it's funny because I sometimes have reels in my drafts folder and I won't feel brave enough to post them some days. And some days I just feel the bravery just pulsing through me. So I posted one today and it was actually interesting because it was on the heels of this experience in my own life. And Colleen will know what I'm talking about. Yesterday, somebody posted on my Instagram and it was interesting because I looked to see three people posted something similar and two of the three don't even follow me. So it's interesting that they felt so compelled to say something because they're not even like, they don't even care enough about my ecosystem to even click follow. So it's not like they're invested, but yet they were invested enough to have an opinion and put it on a comment. So you guys have gotten to know me, but there are times where I get really passionate. There are times where I cry. There are times where I'm super like, I don't know, I want to be silly or make something funny out of some situation. And there's times where I am like on behalf of the part of you that is suffering, I get angry because I want you to be free. And so sometimes I, I yell and sometimes students will say like, I love when you yell. I love when you get value at, right? But like everyone has, actually, I'll save that. I'll save the, my answer for a second. So I go to my Instagram yesterday and there was this one reel 
that people seem to love. It had just to kind of like actually get all of our facts in a row. This one reel had 22,500 views. So people seem to really like it. And I just posted it two days ago and it has 105 comments and over 1,026 likes and 177 people shared it and 300 people saved it. Oh, all right. People seem to like it. And most of the comments were things like, this woman said every single word. Yes. Yes. Preach. Love this. Thanks for sharing. Like all these claps, all these things, right? I mean, like a lot of comments. Well, there was this one comment, which I noticed because I, I tend to look at my, I like look at all the things all the time just to kind of see. And this one woman wrote, wow, you seem so aggressive. Why are you yelling? You lost me. And then this other woman wrote, I know I'm confused. I sense anger, not in a passionate way. And I think that's fascinating and it's perfectly perfect because I sent it to Colleen because we get this question all the time. And what did I say to her? I said, people don't realize that they don't see the same. We're not all seeing the same thing. We're seeing what we are willing to see. We're seeing based on where we are trending and we're seeing based on what triggers us or what moves us based on what we are processing in ourselves, because everything's a hologram. So recently Colleen and I did a human design reading, which I had never done all these years, even though I've looked into all the fun stuff and I'm super spiritual. I had never sat down and had my human design read, but people always ask me, what's your human design? Are you a generator? Are you a manifester? Anyway, it turns out I'm a manifester, but not a big shocker, but in the reading, the woman said, so, you know, that part of your job is to be polarizing. Like you came to the world to create a new path. So you're going to move some trees in different directions. So it's good for you to do it more. And I was like, oh, I love this because I'm also a kid who grew up with a dad who had an alcohol problem and parents who got divorced and my mom was depressed. And so I became this really ninja people pleaser. And that's always been fascinating for me because I know that there's a part of me that just has a point of view and I want to lay it on the table. And there's this other part of me that's like, I want everyone to be safe, meaning me. I want to be safe, which means I want everyone in the room to have their emotional stability. And I somehow can help control that. So those two things are fascinating. And I think regardless of what my human design is, I think we're all a little bit like that. I think we actually have a point of view. And I think there's a part of us that wants to belong. And so we trip up against this all the time. What will people think? What will people say? And it's like, how about your job is not to make sure people aren't triggered. Michael Jordan can't fit in. It's impossible because he stands out. I was just interviewing Mitch Grassi from the Pentatonics, who's maybe one of my favorite human beings. I adore him. And we were talking about his life and he said something which I didn't expect him to say, but I wasn't so surprised. And he said, you know, growing up in Arlington, Texas, as a gay male, I felt I didn't fit in and I didn't like myself because my voice sounds more like a girl's voice. And even though I have this talent where I could sing, I actually didn't really like that I was all these things 
that were so different from everyone around me. And I wanted to not be who I was. I wanted to be like the kids in Arlington, Texas. And I wanted to be the kind of man that they told me in Texas, a man was, and I suffered. And he said, it's only recently, it's only like in the last year that I'm learning that that's not my job. My job is to be exactly what I am. And for some people growing up in Arlington, Texas, they don't like the things that are different about me. And he goes, I have a lot of love for Texas. I, I do. <laughs> He's like, and that's okay. But there are some people who feel differently about who I am, but I've learned that that's not my job, that my job is to enjoy my life. And that my job is to sing the melody that I was given to sing and everyone's singing a different melody. And if you look at the orchestra, the cello does one job and the bass plays different notes and the piano plays different notes and the triangle does different things. And everything is supposed to be that way. And it's what makes it beautiful. You know, it's all the different colors that act like this sweater. I'm wearing a sweater right now. It's like a brown sweater with pink stripes, but the brown is what makes the pink prettier. And the pink is what makes the brown better. And it's not about being the same. Love is actually loving because you don't need the person to be the same, right? If it's, if love is, I love you, I accept you because you're exactly like me, then where's the gift of grace? Where is the love? It's not present. Love is you and I have a difference and we connect because we choose to love each other. And there's a beauty I love that in my backyard, there's all these wildflowers and everything kind of exists together and it's perfect. And I love the textures and I love how it's all doing its own thing and giving it the whole, you know, ecosystem gives space for everything to do what it does. So how do you like that? I mean, how would it change your life? How much freedom would you have if you got to be authentically yourself today? How different would your Thanksgiving be? If you didn't have to think about everything that you were about to say, and you didn't need everybody to approve either, you just let people have what they have. And you knew that that was about their point of alignment. It's where they're trending. It actually says very little about you. It says everything about where they're trending. And what if that's also okay, right? Like when these girls, I don't have literally, I don't, I don't make it a priority and I don't have the time in my life to write back to these girls when they comment that. But all I want to do is say, I love you. You're allowed to run your mouth. You're allowed. In fact, I'm hoping that what I do actually is juicy enough that you can feel that I'm not standing here trying to fit in. And that I'm not standing here trying to be vanilla ice cream because I have a point of view and you don't have to like it and you don't even have to follow and your tax dollars don't go to me, right? I can go do me and you can go do you, but it is amazing how much we deny ourselves the allowing the path of least resistance, the people who you were meant to affect, even those people who might be triggered why do you think you know what they signed up for in this journey? Maybe they're supposed to be triggered by you because it's in that being triggered that they ask themselves a good question. 
Maybe it's in that trigger that they find a purpose for themselves, right? Without the Joker, is Batman Batman? No, he's just a dude. That's a boring story. So maybe the Joker is his greatest friend because the Joker gives him every reason to become who he is. Would I be the person I am without all of the resistance that I had? No, I wouldn't. So is it a gift? It's a gift. So would I, would I change it? Would I go back and have my family life be different? Well, not if it would cost me who I get to be right now. No way. Because would I have been this convicted to travel to Jerusalem and live there for three years when my friends were starting jobs or living in New York City and wearing cool clothes and going on dates? Why was I searching for the answers to the the universe? Would I have then sat my butt down at UCLA and learned meditation for three years because I felt like I was coming out of my own skin to be still was the hardest thing? No, I wouldn't have, right? Would I know how to speak this language? No. And here you are thinking you're doing someone a gift by not triggering them. Here you are thinking, if you have a truth and you have a point of view, you better not say it because these these three people might exit stage left. What if you let them exit? And then what if it allows you to speak to the people you're meant to speak to? And what if you stopped even trying to speak to the people who are trending? They're already trending with so much resistance towards whatever it is you've got going on. They can't hear you anyway. You ever had a conversation with someone about something like that? You talk about politics with someone or, and there's, they're not willing. There's, it's a waste because they're already trending so hard where they're trending. You can just love them. You can just say, it's okay. It's, that's where you're trending. It's what you got. It's okay. I get that. Right. I get that. So you can say what you got and you can allow them to be where they are. But there's a room full of people who are trending so positive towards where you're at. You're that next thing that's going to boil their water exactly where they are. Those are those people that you're meant to speak to. And even the people you're triggering, you're gifting them by standing in your alignment, by having a point of view. And what's amazing is all we really want when we talk about the feeling of energy that we want, a lot of what we want is freedom. We want to feel free. And it's incredible how you could give yourself the feeling of freedom by saying that thing, texting that thing, posting that thing. And how good does that feel? How satisfying to your soul is that? And what if you just said, it's not a problem that people will disagree with me or not like me or troll on my page because it's supposed to happen because we're all trending in different ways. We've all been on a different path. The problem is thinking it's not supposed to happen. The problem is thinking that I'm now supposed to alter because of this, right? Now, I just want to say, this is different than when we notice our reflection because there's something we can feel as a truth that's being shown to us. And that is the way life is. Life is not black and white. It's many, many colors of the sunset. It's orange and it's pink. And that's what makes life so beautiful. So you can feel when what's really happening is actually there is something that's coming up and there's a theme and it's consistent and it's a gift for you to see. It's a gift for you. And that happens in loving relationships and it happens in our life by design. That's not the same thing as other people being triggered or other people just throwing things at you or you living a life 
to protect yourself from other people's reactions. And those are things that we navigate as we go through the day, right? Like there's a difference between washing your face and taking a shower. There's nuances. There's a difference between getting a snack and having a meal. There's a difference between when you know that there's something inside of you calling you to see something you need to see. And that's a gift. And you know, when the thing you're actually being called to see is that you've got to set yourself free because you're lying to yourself, which really means you're lying to everybody else. And it's time to set that down. I want to give you guys a reflection, which is, I want you to just catch yourself. See if you can catch yourself today when you're about to back down from your full truth. You're about to talk to someone, text someone, show up somewhere, post something, and you hesitate. I just want you to notice that without any judgment, just the more you notice it, it'll just be powerful. And then what if you have the courage to stand in your resonance and hold, hold for what you really want to say. And I just want you to notice how it feels before and after, because sometimes it feels super, super scary. And once you do it, you realize that it wasn't scary and that the person actually needed it. Well, I hope that that helped. And if you can think of one person in your life who would benefit from hearing this, please forward them the link or please post about this show because I would love for other people to feel like they're getting a sense of peace from listening. Here are the takeaways from today. Number one, be loud and proud about what you're doing. Number two, no one can take anything away from you. It's all us. We're all a collective consciousness. When you rise like the Phoenix, we all rise. Number three, be the most generous person to work with. Every time you choose that, you buy yourself a piece of the real world, the real abundance. Number four, you have the spark. You don't need to protect it. You just need to project it. You're untouchable. Number five, let go. Trust it's going to come. There's going to be so much synchronicity. You're going to blow your own mind when you step into resonance and stop trying to drive the car from the predictable. Number six, there's always going to be contrast. We signed up for that. It's an opportunity. It's there to reveal your alignment, what you really desire, what you need to shed, and what's really here for you now. It's all a tool to help you continue to refine and be who you were born to be. Number seven, you want to feel your heart open. So you want to feel so creative, so alive, so in love with your life. You feel that life is loving you back. When you feel that, there's nothing to be patient about. It's just magic. Number eight, life is not black and white. It's orange, it's pink. It's so many colors of the sunset. That's what makes it so beautiful. Thank you for listening. I'm so grateful that you're here. I just never take it for granted. We have so many good episodes that are coming up. So please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you're listening. And if you love what you're hearing, please leave us a review. It helps us so much. Go ahead, just click on that five star. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It means so, so much more than you could possibly imagine. Finally, if you want to come to the virtual retreat, you can go to kathyhower.com slash code. We're calling that virtual retreat the manifest code. And we're going to be diving into human design as well as meditation and flower magic. If you want to come to the live retreat in Boca Raton at the end of June, you can get the virtual retreat for free included. And for that, you can go to kathyhower.com slash retreat to find out more. I love you so much. I'll leave you with a song of mine as always. Have an amazing weekend and I'll talk to you soon.
la 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 <laughs>